Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. David Clay. People are creatures of habit. <laughs> That's what I've always heard. And uh, actually, by this point in my life, my career, my profession, my working with people, I have uh, <laughs> more than verified that, uh, empirically so. Uh, observation, my experience is that is true. Uh, people are creatures, not only creatures of habit, but oftentimes the very thing that defines us, what we call personality, our identity, is really more a product of our experiences or our habits, uh, at least in the natural. Now, that's well and good. Um, we are who we are. We have to accommodate, adjust, make allowances for, adapt to situations and circumstances. Um, and as much as there's any sort of stability in this world, uh, two things seem then very important. One is the environment doesn't change too often, and with that, too radically so, uh, too extremely so. And as much then we would get used to our environment, socially, materially, all those things that go on around us, uh, naturally, uh, even artificially, if it's consistent enough, uh, we then, like manner, react. Now, <laughs> being reactive then is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, out of our experiences, we discover what works. That's adaptive. Adaptation meaning we adapt to our situations and circumstances. However, <laughs> to be reactive is not always to our advantage, especially if it, we become so familiar with, we've adjusted ourselves so much to, uh, we've gotten so used to a set of uh, contingencies, things that are going on around us in our environment, uh, psychologically, socially, again, materially, naturally, all facets of it, that when it does change, if it would change quickly uh, and frequently and radically enough, then we're going to have a difficult time making adjustments. Uh, that is probably, as I've explained thus far, humans are creatures of habit, that is probably the best reason why adaptability necessitates an advantage or gives an advantage. It, it causes it. There's a need implicit to be able to make adjustments, some flexibility. Uh, the word, another word that comes to my mind, the word might be malleable, uh, shapeable, formable, uh, conformable. Uh, and, you know, you don't necessarily get what you want if you're always reacting. Now, I know it's not necessarily always to our great advantage to get what we want. Too much of getting what we want is selfishness, and we know all the problems that go with selfishness. Uh, if everybody wants something and nobody's willing to give, that doesn't work. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, there's some things that we can't change no matter what we want. We can throw temper tantrums. We can throw fits. We can try to uh, somehow manipulate 
the environment, the contingencies, again, the situation, the circumstance. And uh, still, if it, if it isn't within our control, it does not matter what we do, we're still going to have to adjust to it, react in some ways. Nonetheless, it is possible, though, that if we're too driven by or directed by others or other factors besides who we are, that in the end, we may not be able to become what we really either should be, and hopefully that's what we want to be. Now, of course, for all those that are familiar with what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Christian Counseling Ministry has a podcast, knows that we reference everything uh, in context to the Bible, all our conversation points, all the subject matter uh, that we discuss on the, the podcast and the program has to be interpreted within, I don't even think it's a choice, it has to be interpreted within the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is more so than our situations and circumstances unchangeable. Now, now the problem there, unfortunately, as many of you might be already chasing down, especially if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, is that as much then we are in this world, naturally speaking, bound to the contingencies of this world, the situation, circumstances, and our, in some ways, our measure of success in this world is contingent upon adapting, being reactive. However, the conflict would be, though, if the situations and circumstances, whether it's within the, you know, the relationship, I say the, you know, within the context of, apparent context of time and space, um, we're on this earth only but for a short period of time. And with that, <laughs> there is either some lament, which I think it can be both. It can be with some lament. Uh, we may never get to get quite to the point that we want to get to or get everything that we want to get done in this world done. But it can be to our greatest advantage because if it's a bad set of circumstances and situations, then it won't last forever. And I think probably all Christians have seen it within that light. Thus saith the word of God. <laughs> As within Christian context, biblical context, word of God, Old and New Testament. Everything again that we discuss on this program goes back to the word of God. Because more than our situations and circumstances, even if they are in time and space seemingly either never and long enough or <laughs> too long, the one thing, though, that we can count on that never changes is God, is his character, is his virtue. So, as much as he is unchanging, unchangeable, I think the word is immutable, word of God, if we align ourselves with him, and, and I should add this, this is, this is really important too. God never loses. If there is an ultimate win, it's God. It's not naturally so in the sense of our biological, our physiological, 
Getting back to really personality and identity, creatures of habit, that's a psychological sort of concept, concept or conceptualization. All of that is rooted in physiology and biology. You could argue, well, yeah, but it's not like my body, uh, it's more my brain. Or it's not really like my body, it's more my spirit. And it is true, personality isn't maybe as easily identifiable with the physical operation of the body. Nonetheless, it doesn't exist, except that God would have created us through the physiology with a capacity as the brain would work, as we would otherwise be able to enter into more psychological, move a little bit more away from just reactive, which is probably important at this point in our discussion, stimulus response, the environment, contingencies dictate then a particular answer, and if we answer correctly, we live. If we don't answer correctly, we maybe don't live. We may, may don't die immediately, uh, and if we live, but we answer incorrectly, there may be a lot of pain attached to it, unneeded or unnecessary pain. But even if we live correctly, if the contingencies are such in the natural that pain is a normal feature, which we know it is, because there's always something going on in the way of change, uh, either need or deficit, uh, driven by an, uh, a requirement then to find what we need, what will make us feel better, all of that stuff, then it is always going to have some dimension of pain, then it really doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. Most of us won't starve to death, which does not mean there aren't individuals who starve to death, which does not mean that that is a good thing. But it just points out what I'm trying to say. In the natural, you have a limited scope of possible answers. You can't do something that naturally is impossible for you to do. You must eat or you will die. You must drink or you will die. Now, if there is famine in the land, if there is a drought, and there are places in the world that we live in, this world we live in, where people starve to death and people live in such a condition of a lack of water that their body cannot continue to function, they die. But if our environment says, then for whatever reason, in natural regard, and there's always a good reason, I may not always know it, you may not always know it, but you can't eat, you can't drink, you're going to die physically. And all the personality, all the psychology, all that that might make you adaptive, including your ability out of psychology to problem solve, to think things through, to, to come up with better answers, all of that is going to pass away with your body. Again, this should sound familiar to those who are familiar with, thus saith the Lord, thus the word of God. And I'm not talking necessarily prophetically at this moment, but the word of God is always, has always a dimension of a prophecy attached to it. The spirit of Christ is prophecy, uh, and with that, in a prophetic sort of way, 
we're really, we really are speaking of what will happen. One day, your body will die. You will not be able to adapt. You will not be able to adjust. One day, the natural set of circumstances will dictate that what you are, what your identity would be, all the habits, the personality dimensions of who you are, all your experiences that have come to make you who you are, if you are only reactively so, if you're dependent solely upon the world around you, the natural, when you die or when the contingencies dictate those things outside of you, external to you, dictate it's over, then you're over. (laughs) You're not going to go any further than what you were able to go to within, again, the notion of time and space, if that's all that you are. But this idea that God is immutable, or at least the word, and God is word. God is spirit more than he is flesh. He has flesh. There is a a physical manifestation of God in this world, just as there's a physical manifestation of us. But God is not bound to the natural dimensions. Though he created them, he is far above them. Because the very thing that he is, is really the very thing, the dynamic, that causes all the things to change that we have to adapt to. Because that is the spirit of not only prophecy, but creativity. And what is the prophetic word of God? The prophetic word of God is that there is eternal life for those who are willing to abide where? Not in the dirt, (laughs) not in the air, not in the soil, not any of the material elements that make up the physical body, Uh, whether it would be from the dirt, as God created Adam and Eve and all of us from, or whether it would be from the actual physiology that the dirt, that as God breathes life into us, which is really what we're speaking of. The word brings life. When God said, this is what will happen when I put Adam together in the the manner that I have chosen to do it out of the dust of the earth, this is what my intention to breathe life into him. This is how I have chosen to do it. I have chosen to do it by spirit. I have chosen to do it by my virtue and character. Is there a material manifestation of that? Yes, it's called life. And for humans, it has a human dimension. But lest we get caught up in the human dimension and be reactive the entirety of our life, there is no reason to believe that as the Spirit would thus move upon the darkness, that otherwise, as God created not only humans, but all life, put it all together, we will not endure. We may be creatures of habit, and the habit itself, if we're not careful, if we don't understand where we need to stop reacting and choose to be, I don't know what the word would be, proactive, that's really what prophetic is, it it goes along with that, they're not synonymous, but they go very much together, 
my win, my intention, my desire, my want is to live eternally. If I know all these things that I'm sharing with you on the podcast today, if I've come to this age of accountability and this awareness and I recognize all these things, does it mean that I stop adapting to this world? No. What it means, though, is I have to filter it all. I have to pass it all through the filter. And what is the filter? It is the two flaming swords. Uh, reference to the Bible, reference to the Old Testament, uh, reference to what keeps us in or what's on the inside. I should say it that way. It doesn't prohibit us from going out because Adam and Eve proved you can leave the Garden of Eden. God doesn't want it. It's to your uh, uh, difficulty, uh, disadvantage. God wants to keep you nice, safe, and secure. But he doesn't keep you nice, safe, and secure as the garden then is anything different than the rest of the natural world. The hedge of protection that that affords you, however, the word of God, the two flaming swords, as with Jesus coming again in the book of Revelation, as with a sword, a flaming sword, as with the word that he would pronounce, as with the prophecy <laughs> that he is the spirit of prophecy as manifested in the physical Christ, as he was more, though, than physical, he was the word of God in spirit and specifically Holy Spirit. He came to tell us. He came with word. He came to show us by what? By word, Old Testament word. He will return. He was uh, died. I want to say this properly. Crucified. In his death, though, out of the spirit of creativity that God is, he was resurrected. And as he was resurrected, he went on or further to be with God in a resurrected body as edified, which all oh, edification means is you've served your purpose. You've done those things that were set before you. Jesus accomplished in material dimension, has accomplished all that he was sent here to accomplish. Has he finished his work? Only to the extent or degree that he has shown us in some material dimension that the physical body will pass on. You cannot be bound to the natural or you're going to die. Or as you die, that's going to be the end of you, physically die. He also, though, showed his resurrection. It was witnessed. It was testified unto. People actually ate with him, saw him, touched him, listened to him, heard him, again, saw him. They say seeing is believing. Thomas touched him. He showed resurrection. But it's not finished because the real resurrection that Jesus came to tell us of, to demonstrate, has yet to be wholly or completely accomplished to this extent. Even so, in all of that, we do have his spirit resurrected within us. It was within us to begin with, <laughs> just the world itself and all this reactive stuff that goes along with it, our nature, 
had just covered it all up. We'd gotten lost. Adam and Eve did not understand. They could not wrap their so-called head around the Word of God in a knowing sort of way. And unfortunately, all humans tend to be creatures of habit. We are experientially driven. Our life experiences oftentimes make us who we are. Now, it can be a good story. It can be fabled. You can even find good things in it, right, to celebrate uh, good things in otherwise bad circumstances. But in the end, all circumstances, if we don't have Jesus, we don't have the spirit of prophecy in us, we don't have the character and virtue of God as with the Holy Spirit within us, if we don't have the word in our head so that we don't fight against it, so that we would not only have spiritual discernment and understanding, understanding, but we'd have intellectual understanding. Why? Not because we can intellectually discern any of this. All of this, even as Jesus said to Peter, you only know that I'm the Christ through the Holy Spirit. And Peter had apparently the Holy Spirit in him or was upon him, I would probably be inclined to believe it was in him and at that moment, the insight had just come to him. We too have that. But that tells us, though, of Christ more than our brains could ever again wrap our heads around, even as Adam and Eve could not. Why? Because in our flesh, in our intellectual understanding, in our experiences, there is no way to lie you can try, but lie against this ultimate truth, which is, in essence, essentially what the Old Testament really is all about, is making not necessarily argument to the point of necessarily even, again, this ultimate of persuasions, although it can be very effective, but it just confirms what we all implicitly know. I'm not going to be able to continue in a natural mode forever. Which does not mean I don't have a supernatural spiritual mode. It just means as long as I don't claim it, as long as I don't search it out, seek it, as long as I do not desire it, want it, would attempt to taste of it, again, as the Word of God would uh, possibly King James, but possibly describe, I'm not going to get it. And if I don't get it, it does not mean the supernatural and the spiritual still doesn't live eternally. I, all my, those things that make me, I was going to say all my habits, all those things that make me who I am, all my experiences, all my habits, all the natural conditioning, which again, there is advantage or function to that. There's nothing wrong with eating. There is nothing wrong with having enough water. There's nothing wrong with having friends and social affiliations and relationships. There is nothing wrong with wanting to not only live naturally, but enjoy it, except, and there's a lot of exceptions, isn't there, that that would be all that we would want 
all that we would search out, all that we would desire. As I said at the beginning, I want what I want, but I don't want that because that has no good end. Well, it does. It all serves a God purpose. And in the end, if we are in Christ, we all have again restored within us by word of God. He breathed again upon us, brought life unto us. If Jesus' example, as he will return one day, as with prophecy, book of Revelation, come back with that word finally established, finally, as in this is the end of humanity. All those that have believed the word, all those that have sought that answer, obviously, will be with him. And he will bring them back as with spirit or new creature. But even so, as he claims those that are in this world as they still might be when he returns in natural dimension, they will immediately be transformed into spirit. But it won't be some big, hard, difficult adjustment. Why? Because they have chosen to align their personality, their nature, in a human sense, their experiences with the Word of God. They have, in that way, married God, married the Word of God. But more than that, what they have will or have and will discover is that not only is there going to be the immediate resurrection of the Holy Spirit that we all have now as we await for the second coming of Christ unto those who believe in Jesus Christ and have accepted Him as Lord and Savior, but what they will in the twinkling of an eye, in the instant moment that Christ returns, what they will then be is transformed, transfigured immediately into spirit so that they too then may join with all of us, presuming that we really won't see the second coming of Christ, but who knows, that may happen. And at that moment, all those who haven't, as humanity will finally see its end, will in that regard, humanism, human dimension, will in that regard have nothing but the natural. When, when that circumstance hits, just like all the other circumstances, just like all of our other experiences with things in the natural, just like with everyone that has gone before us is going to die, we are going to die, except in that case, we're not going to go to heaven. Why? Because heaven will have come to us. The Spirit will have again taken over. We will be a new creature again, a new creation. This idea of creativity. God is a God of creativity. That's what we want to align ourselves with. That's what we want our virtue and character, our personality in human dimension to be. That's where we understand and comprehend psychologically, intellectually, so that we might then conform not to the natural dimensions, but to the godly ones. And in an amazing sort of way, when you do that, then you have an incredible amount of control when it comes to what's going to happen to you, what the outcomes are going to be. I am no longer at the mercy 
of a life that is in very measurable, tangible ways imminently going to end. And I'm no longer a creation or a creature that is in natural dimension going to die. All humans will. Uh, Don't want to get into it, will not get into it, but want to at least acknowledge it. The human body is a product of the natural environment. Everything naturally passes away. We are but a species of all other animals. Now, that's not all we are, but in a natural regard, if you don't have the Spirit of God or you don't accept or you don't seek out again or receive or you don't abide in that, that's all you are is an animal. All things in this natural regard die. But when we're in Christ, when the word of God dictates our thoughts, when we choose to conform our personality, adapt to that truth, not our natural experiences, although God gives us, again, plenty of room for that. We're in this world, as the Apostle Paul said, but not of it. But our mind must be renewed, transformed, so that we are operating out of spirit, not human spirit, but divine Holy Spirit. Thus, when the body passes away, we have our resurrection, even as Jesus did, but not for the sake of a resurrected body, human body, but for the sake of a new creation in Christ Jesus. Why is it in Christ Jesus? Because if we don't do this, we're not going to get that. If we don't accept him as Lord and Savior, we don't get that. If we don't abide in him, we don't get all of the love of God. God is loving unto us, even yet while we were in sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Christ proves that God loves us. God is benevolent. God is patient. God will tolerate a lot for the sake of reclaiming his creation. And probably because he created us in that manner, like likeness, in a physical dimension. I know the word speaks of likeness unto his character and virtue in his image, but there is definitely a physical aspect to it that the devil has manipulated and has really stolen us. The devil can't make us anything, but he takes advantage of that material aspect, the natural dimension, the identity, the personality, the physiology, the psychology, the human spirit, humanism to corrupt us, to dissuade us, to blind us, to mislead us, to trick us to deceive us. All that should sound familiar. 
That's his MO. And in that, once that happens, we may not be anything like what the devil was in his creation as an angel, but we are in the same manner of spirit that the devil became. He gave up his heavenly place so that he might have not only dominion over the earth, but attempted from dominion over the earth to exalt himself against God. How small would even an angel be in comparison to the enormity that God is? How small humans are in relationship to planet Earth. How small planet Earth is in relationship to the Milky Way galaxy. How small each and every galaxy in relationship to, again, the enormity of forever. Of the infiniteness of God. That's why he's immutable. But that's also why he's attainable. Because all this comes down to is not necessarily, and even as I said all of that, I measured it in some material dimension. Why? Because I can't conceive of it any differently. Except, a lot of exceptions, good ones. Except that I would conceive of it in the most basic, again, elemental tangible of ways. I want to be like Jesus, but to be like Jesus, I want the Holy Spirit, but I only receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if I am willing to give up my habits. Creatures of habit, naturally dependent, Reactive then to what goes on around us. I want my life back. I want to control what happens to me. I don't get everything I want in the natural. Actually, if I give it over to God, as with, again, all that I know, as I've studied or as I attempt to read and study, I only say attempt because I'll never understand even the word of God for all that it is, probably because it too is unique and new, has a creative dimension to it that applies to every unique situation and circumstance that I go through in life. It is not, thankfully so, so bound to a situation and circumstance, even if presented in natural or human sort of context of situation and circumstance, that I can't get a fresh word. (laughs) I need new manna every day. But I want to be like Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit in me, alive in me, so that I can take my life back. Now, we all have addictions. I know that's another one of those things that probably we need another program or a podcast to really explain in its entirety or fullness. You'll just have to trust me. If I don't do a very good job with the limited time we have on this podcast, that there is a good reason why I say that. But let me just say it this way. If you're bound to the natural in the way that we've discussed today, you're an addict. It's not a drug, which we typically think of 
when you say the word addict. It's more than just even an addiction, as would be typically conceived of. Most people have to think, well, uh, what are you addicted to? Uh, could be a number of things. Money, could be alcohol in addition to or outside of a drug, could be gambling, could be sex, it could be food, it could be anything. We're all addicts up to the point where we take our life back. Ask any addict what is necessary to take their life back, and they will tell you. There's no other way to get it, except that they have to put something in a position of being greater and stronger, more powerful than that thing, that manifestation of their addiction, ahead of the addiction, ahead of even their will, because as much they don't, they're still thinking in natural terms, being reactive. And if you're reactive, when you get hungry, you think you're going to starve to death, but you're not. When you get thirsty, you think you're going to thirst yourself to death, but fortunately, the graciousness of God, his benevolence, his mercy, we don't. But we're all addicts. We all think like addicts in that way. Are we all addicted to something as self-destructive as gambling can be, as self-destructive as overeating can be, as self-destructive as drugs can be or alcohol? No, not necessarily. But it will, in the end, it will catch you because it'll kill you in the same way. In the end, if you don't have Jesus Christ, if you don't allow him to give you your life back by aligning yourself with this virtue and character, Holy Spirit, the word of God, that we have to put everything, the flaming swords, that everything has to pass through so that we then are of spirit, we are married unto God first, then we become one with God, even as any marriage should be. Christ will come back for his bride. He first woos us. He's, he's our suitor. He's our kinsman redeemer. He comes to us because he loves us. And he does so with the words. But Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, word of God, always backs up, is backed up by an outcome of what God has said it would be. That is, again, the spirit of prophecy. There would be no prophecy if it wasn't real. It wasn't true. He just gives us a chance to see the end from the beginning so that we do not have to spend the entirety of our life either trying to learn the lesson, learning the lesson later in life where we've unfortunately lost a lot along the way, or maybe never learning the lesson. I want to learn the lesson. I don't want to be an addict. I want to understand. I, for the sake of my mind, for the sake of my will, in the human dimension, to cooperate, to participate, to become what God wants me to be. Why? Because I know it is a better thing for me than what I am. 
Why? Because if I'm addicted to anything, it is indeed life, but it's not the material definition or outcome or expression of life. I want to be addicted to the spirit of life. I want to to serve him in that way so that I might live eternally. I want to win. I don't want to win just so that I can say I want to win or that I say I win just for the sake of having said I wanted to win or I could win. Why would I not want to win? Why? Why would you not want to win? But of course, if I say it that way, I can also get away with saying it this way. Why then would you not want Jesus Christ to have a relationship with the risen Savior? Why? There's no good reason again. I know I've said this in other podcasts, but it always seems to come back to this conclusion. No matter how I would present the case, there is no other conclusion you can come to. You need a Savior. You need a power greater than yourself. But make sure that there's no other power greater than that power before you turn your life over to it. Don't sell your soul upon some kind of false notion, some fable. fable. Don't sell it for the immediacy of a gratified feeling or experience. Don't think you can wait until a better day comes along after you kind of get this part of it. We'll play both sides of the fence. And then maybe also get that up. Do it now. You don't know when your life is going to be taken from you naturally. You don't know when God's going to call you home. You may, not, you may not really even know if tomorrow brings you food. The people you love might die. Job? Anybody remember Job? You may find yourself one day with only one thing. And that is you. And then your decision that God gives you to choose what you're going to do with that. Now, will everything be perfect after you've accepted Jesus in a natural regard? It will, but it won't always feel that way. Yes, it all works to the good of God. But it's not always something we can understand, and it comes with pain. But I guarantee you there is no pain that you're going to go through in this life that is going to compare to the end and the eternal dimension of that in hell. You can get a bit of that now. You can be as close to hell as to maybe feel the heat coming from it without having to be in it yet. And that is it. You're always capable You're always in a position of receiving salvation until you die. But physically, once you die, and if that's all you have is you, and you've never accepted the gift of life eternal in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to help you now as well as when it comes time to pass on, 
it's on you. You're going to get exactly what you might feel a bit of now. You can pretend it away. You can rationalize it away. You can try to use all that brain power to deny it. But you know, deep inside, you're doing nothing but lying to yourself. Now, I didn't start the program by saying, this is how we treat addictions. But this is how we treat addictions. I didn't start the program by saying, well, you really are never going to really find an answer you're looking for in life until you come to Jesus Christ. But really, that's what we talked about. I didn't say, well, you know, if you don't do this, then you're going to go to hell, which I could say that, and, and in many ways, that's what I said, but I didn't start out there. I'm okay with making an intellectual argument. I'm okay with empiricism. I'm okay with science. I just know the difference between good science and bad science. I know the difference between people who are genuinely so willing to take the truth and apply it in a realistic way versus individuals who otherwise are just wanting to take what they see as the truth or fact and try to sell it in some false narrative way as the truth, when in the end, it's just really humanism. In the end, they're just lying to themselves. There is no rationalizing physical death or mortality except that you would see it in context to eternal life. And then there's no way to receive eternal life except you would see it in context to the purpose of death, which is creativity in a natural dimension. But if you don't, you're going to die, but you'll be eternal. <laughs> Just die forever. You'll be in hell forever. It doesn't go away. Your spirit will be returned unto God, at least the dimension of Holy Spirit that still is within you, that is still uh, praying on your behalf, it'll all be returned to God. So, if you come see me, if you should choose to email me, reach out, contact me, if you should see another who is a Christian counselor, make sure they have at least this basis for whatever they do, lest they will be part of, complicit to, your ultimate destruction. Now, how long does it take to get somebody from point A to point B? They'll work with you. They're not going to beat you up. They're not going to impose beliefs on you. But if they do what empiricism really is all about, what science is really all about, there is no other conclusion than the the same conclusion that the Word of God comes to. Old and New Testament, not once, but continually applied. Why continually? Because we are corruptible creatures, and we are, unfortunately, creatures of habit. And it may just take a lifetime to change all your bad habits. Anyhow, Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry? I will post an email address. Please feel free to reach out to me. 
If you don't want to talk to me, you just want to find somebody closer to you to talk to, still reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what you're thinking. It will probably help me immensely, too, to tailor the podcasts to the specific needs of you, my audience. Needless to say, I'd like to invite you back for our next podcast. And again, thanks so much for joining us today.